For so many, the conversation around mental health can be uncomfortable, and one individual is making quite the impact in breaking the stigma around those conversations. CEO and founder of Stay Another Day, Mackenzie Nelson joins me. Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Of course. Okay, so I want to learn a little bit about your story. Um, Stay Another Day is something that you clearly created. Um, tell me how it came about. So um, I graduated from Normal Community High School in Bloomington 2020 and it was COVID year and it was something that was really hard for me just sitting in my parents' basement and just thinking about everything I had going on was really hard. So I decided to start something um, to distract myself from everything I had going on. So I started sewing headbands, scrunchies and keychains. Um, and then COVID actually did hit and I sewed over 2000 face masks that really picked up Mackenzie wow. Page. Um, then I went off to play college softball. I had a good experience and then not a very great one. Um, and I released six mental health awareness hoodies on Mackenzie um, Page, and then it turned into Stay Another Day about July of last year. Wow. So that's a very, you know, quick synopsis of a lot of life that has brought you to this point of having Stay Another Day. Um, what, why did you decide to take the mental health route? Um, so mental health was something I struggled with for a really long time, and for the longest time I was really ashamed of struggling for, with mental health. Um, and I just felt like you couldn't speak up about it. And when you did speak up about it, you were kind of looked at differently, especially being an athlete. There's like an insane pressure put on student athletes. Um, and I just felt like somebody needed to speak up and let people know that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to have conversations around it. Um, because the more people that speak up, the more people you're helping. Because if you speak up about what you're going through, it leads other people to speak up about what they're going through and also get the help that they need as well. Yeah, I've heard it say like vulnerability offers yes. vulnerability. Yes. Which I think is so true because when you're willing to be real, then it's like, all right, guards down. Everyone can talk now. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to put on this face anymore. But you did experience a pretty like crazy traumatizing experience in softball in terms of yeah. Um, explain a little bit about that experience and what happened. So, yeah. so that's what really made me figure out my purpose in life. Um, I was playing third base for Heartland and I was in for, I was pretty far up and our pitcher threw the ball and the girl hit a line drive straight at my mouth. Um, it hit me probably like 80 miles per hour straight in my mouth. It knocked me unconscious and I had a really bad concussion. Um, my gums literally split in half and oh it, gosh. I was out for a while. So while I was laying in my dad's basement during that time, you know, my mental health issues started coming back. Same thing with kind of COVID where you're laying there, you know, thinking about everything you had going on. Um, and during that time, I really found my passion for wanting to help others and help others speak up about their mental struggles because it not only helps other people, but it also helps me knowing that you know, other people can speak up when I speak up about my own mental health. Yeah, when did you realize, like, when did that first conversation happen of like, okay, I, I just opened up a little bit about this and that felt really good. It was like a pressure valve releasing a little bit. I want to do this a little bit more, but I also want to help other yeah. people do that. When did that kind of realization hit? So the very first time I ever spoke up about my mental health and really talked to somebody, um, I remember it so specifically, I was um, a junior in high school and I had first hour study hall and I literally cried every single day with one of my friends Brandon every single day in first hour study hall um, but one day it was really really bad and I couldn't pull myself together before going to second hour um, so he walked me to one of my favorite teachers classrooms Miss Baker um, and she let me sit in there and I cried for a little bit and then she walked me to the guidance counselor's office and I talked to Miss Gearman but I was so mad because my dad wouldn't call me out of school when I was crying like that um, but what he was doing was forced me to speak up and actually ask for help by talking to my guidance counselor. And they reminded me that I was loved, I was wanted, and that other people were going through the same things that I was going through. Yeah. What do you think is the importance of other people asking for help? I feel like there's this 
the stigma around being willing to just go and ask for help, to go to the guidance counselor. Um, what is that that creates that? Um, when you ask for help, a lot of people don't realize it, but it helps you, but it also helps the people around you, not in the sense like other people speaking up, but when you're transparent with your family and your friends about what you're going through, they understand a lot more of why you're acting a certain way or, you know, why you might be a little more distant from them or things you're going through. It just helps everyone in your circle and then you can communicate with them like things you can do to help you out that can help you get back on track, whether that's um, helping you get out of bed in the mornings, making sure you're taking your medicine, making sure you're staying on top of things, like just small things you can communicate with people and then they can help you um, get back on track. What do you think about mental health makes it so hard to talk about? Like, why is it such a hard topic? I think that people, unfortunately, there is a stigma that's been created around mental health. Um, and I think people have a hard time speaking up about it because in some aspects it's looked at as a weakness. Um, for example, playing college athletics, you know, you didn't want any reason to not be in that starting lineup on the field. And if you come forward with, you know, you're struggling mentally, that's like looked at, it might be looked at as a weakness. So I think a lot of people look at it that way. But then there's a lot of people that just say, you know, it's all in your head. And unfortunately, I don't think people understand how extreme mental health can be unless they have went through it themselves or they have a loved one that has went through it and they've seen it firsthand. Um, so, I mean, you don't wish mental health on anyone, like struggling mentally on anyone, but unfortunately, it's kind of hard to fully understand what mental health is um, unless you or a loved one has struggled with it. Mm. So what got you through when you were in your dad's basement or when you were at those really low points? What kept you going? Um, honestly... There were some really, really hard days. Some days I really wanted to give up, but I kind of thought about my younger self and all the dreams I had and how it would just be giving up on myself if I didn't keep going. And then for my family, you know, um, I've seen the effects of somebody losing their life to suicide and how it's affected their friends and family. And it's heartbreaking knowing that they think for the rest of their life, like what could they do differently? Um, what, what didn't they notice? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like, you have to want to get better for yourself. And it took me a really hard time realizing that, um, but I found it somewhere deep inside of me that I wanted to get better for myself because I owed it to myself. Mm, yeah, I love that. Were there certain people in your life that you kind of held on to tightly in that time or certain resources you really utilized, maybe like your guidance counselor or things like that? Yeah, so when I was in school, I didn't really talk to my guidance counselor that much. I, I was very hesitant to really open up about everything I was feeling. Um, I went to many different therapists, um, I went through quite a few until I found one that really stuck for me, so that definitely helped. But I was very, very transparent about what I was feeling with my, my family, especially my dad and sister. Um, when I was having very bad thoughts or dealing with ideations or having hopelessness thoughts, I would always communicate that with my family. Um, so, you know, my sister would have a sleepover with me or I wouldn't just be alone because sometimes when I get alone, things get worse. Um, so I got really, really close to my dad and sister. Yeah, I could see how isolation could be a really hard place to be because yeah. I feel like Talking, verbally processing is a really healthy thing for a lot of people to do, but some people don't have like a built-in family or mm -hmm. maybe a great community to verbally process where I think those resources can really come into play of like there are people out there yeah, available see, as resources. Yeah, so actually a great resource is actually pressed in every single one of our items is 988. It's the number for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. We actually have a center in Bloomington called PATH that answers over 300 calls a day. It's really awesome. Um, but you can call for yourself if you're dealing with suicidal ideations, emotional distress, you know, having a really bad day, not sure what steps to take to get better. Um, but something amazing about the lifeline is you can actually call for the sake of another person. Mm. So if you're worried about a friend or a family member and not try to help them, you can call 988 and it's available 24-7. Um, if you don't feel comfortable talking on the phone, you can always text them. So I really encourage people to call 988 because it's definitely something that saved my life as well. 
So being in those really low places where 988 would have been a really good resource, it, what are the hesitations that someone is going through? Why don't they just pick up the phone and call? There are tons of factors that go into yeah. the reasons people are hesitant, but what are some of those reasons? So when I was in high school, um, I remember one day specifically, I wanted to call so bad, but I was absolutely terrified to because I thought an ambulance was gonna show up at my house. Like mm -hmm. I thought as soon as you called, it was like 911 and an ambulance is like on the way. Um, but that's not the case, so I feel like some people steer away from it from that. But really, they can help you get in contact with like therapists. They can help you make a game plan to get better. And I think a lot of people just think you have to call 988 if you're in the act of harming yourself. Um, but you can call for a lot of different reasons. And I think that education on what the lifeline actually is is a major part of why people are hesitant to call. So what happens when someone dials 988? Um, so you get routed to your local crisis team. There's a bunch of different places all around. Um, they walk you through a screening. It's the same screening as you would go through as when you admit yourself to a mental hospital. Um, they ask some questions to determine your overall safety to yourself. And then if you aren't safe, they will send help your way if needed. But if not, they can just talk you down, you know, um, help you make that game plan to get better, what steps to take to get back on track. Mm, which I think is it's such a valuable resource that we have available to us, but I could see um, as someone is getting ready to pick up the phone, this wave of, of thinking that comes over someone that justifies either where they're at mm -hmm. um, and gives them a reason not to call or any sort of rationalizing um, how they're feeling, but really it's just okay to not be okay and it's okay yeah. to at least start that conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that might be a good starting point for someone who has yet to do that. Um, let's talk a little bit about Stay Another Day. Why'd you call it that? What's the significance behind the name? So those three words are what helped me in one of the lowest points of my life. Just staying one more day, taking it one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time led me to me being here today. Um, then one day I was just sitting in my basement and I was like writing it down, making some designs when I was starting the mental health awareness line. And then I realized that SAD standed for like stay another day and I thought it was awesome, like turning something a little bit negative into something positive. Mm -hmm. And then we have like a semicolon smiley face on all of our designs where you could have ended something but you found the strength to keep going, turning it into like a little winky face. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it was clever and I really liked it. Yeah, so that that is kind of, for people who may not know, the semicolon does hold that significance. Yes. Um, which is a really cool way to incorporate that into your logo there. Um, and tell me where you've where you've gone from here. So stay another day. You have tons of cool clothing. You have an awesome website. You have a great social media presence. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with it. Um, so we do have a storefront in Bloomington, which is awesome. Um, but I'm really more getting into social engagements because I'm realizing the impact it has on specifically like the younger generations. Um, I lost a friend when I was in eighth grade to suicide and I didn't realize that people that age could struggle with mental health. So definitely the younger audience is what I want to get more involved with. Um, so I've been going and speaking at my old schools I went to. I got to speak to health classes at NCHS every freshman health class. Um, and we found out, we did an exit survey, we found out that 67% of the students didn't know about 988 or learned something entirely new about that lifeline. Mm. Um, so I think educating people for me is very, very important. Like obviously it's really cool wearing a shirt like this because somebody can see it and that can be their sign to keep going because my problem was is I couldn't think of a single reason to stay. Mm. And the thought behind the clothing is that you could be walking in a complete stranger, you don't even have to talk to them, could see the message and that could be like, that's my sign to you know stay one more day. Um, but yeah, we've 
something I really love that we've been doing is we'll do fundraising events and with that money we'll pass out t-shirts at local high schools. Um, so I was able to pass out 200 t-shirts at my old high school and we got to tell so many students about 988. It was really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So are you primarily, when you're going and speaking to these classes, are you primarily sharing about the resource of 988 or are you sharing a message in addition to that or yeah. what's that look like? So kind of my whole story, I kind of talk about how when I was in high school, when I was their age, um, I started sewing to distract myself. Um, keep my mind busy from everything and then I talk about my college experience, how I dealt with depression, the symptoms I was experiencing. Um, and then I'll talk about that lifeline, how the lifeline helped me. I'll touch a little bit on my experience in the mental hospital, um, how it changed my perspective on things a lot. And then the biggest thing I try to get across is that there's strength within asking for help. Mm, that's so good. Such a message that so many people need to hear, but especially our younger generations. Yeah. Um, do you think there are challenges that our younger generations are facing that is kind of causing a downward spiral in terms of mental health? Yes, I think social media has a huge play on um, the mental health of those younger kids. Um, because when older people grew up, you know, when they had problems at school or problems with friends, it left them when they went home and weren't on their phones. Um, but with us, when you go home, those same people follow you. They can't even make anonymous accounts just to bring you down. I mean, a lot of the times it's rooted from somebody who's insecure and at that age, kids don't realize that. Um, but I think social media has definitely taken a big toll on everyone's mental health. Do you have advice on how people who are active on social media should navigate that space? Um, being such a popular, like it's just, it's, sometimes it's just fun to keep up with people yeah. that way. But how do you navigate it in terms of keeping tabs of your mental health and how it's affecting it? Um, so you can set like time restraints on your phone. That's something that I used to do. Um, it like locks you out of apps after you've reached your limit. Um, but if you're going to continue to use those apps, something that I do is like every month or so I do like a clean out of social media. So if I'm feeling low about myself and I see something on social media like that might make me upset or, you know, something that I'm comparing myself to way more than I should be. Because, um, you know, there's like Photoshop and all of those things mm -hmm. and suffering from like body image issues and stuff like that can be really hard as a girl. Um, so I'll unfollow a lot of those accounts that just don't make me feel good about myself. Um, but something I do on my own social media because I hate the fact that everyone on social media just posts the highlights of their life, you know. Yeah. When I'm laying in bed and I'm in that, that bed that just feels like a sinkhole and I can't get out of it, I'll scroll on social media and I'll see how great so-and-so is doing, you know, how amazing their life is, you know, all these great things they're accomplishing. But then it'll just make me feel like, why me? Why am I the one that has to struggle mentally? Why am I the one that has this? But the truth is, is everyone normally just posts the highlights of their lives on social media and yeah. kids don't realize that. Um, so I like to be very transparent about when I'm in a low. Um, so I just slipped up not that long ago. I got on there and I let everyone know, like, sorry, I've been kind of MIA for a little bit. I haven't been doing the best. Here are some things I'm doing to get me back on track. I'll share my journaling skills, like how I write down affirmations at the end of them, um, affirmations I'm doing. Um, remind them that going to therapy is okay, it's normal, it's helpful, going on walks, exercising, just things I'm doing that are really helping me out. Yeah, are there a couple things that you could share with us of maybe just some basic things that you do um, if someone is in a low, if, if you're in a low place, okay, these are the first couple things I'm going to start doing to see if they help. Um, well, the very first thing I typically do when I'm in a low is I just let those people in my circle um, really know about what I'm going through because it just makes everything so much easier when you're transparent with everyone in your circle about the things you're yeah. going through. Um, but I always turn to journaling because it feels like I'm talking to someone without talking to someone. Mm. So how I kind of journal is I will write down all the bad, no matter how bad my day was, just to get it off my chest so I'm not holding it in. 
Uh, but no matter how bad my day was, I always ended off with something positive. Um, so after my bad day, I write that stuff down. I write down what the positive of my day was. I'll write down three things I'm grateful for, um, three things I'm proud of myself for, and three things I like about myself, and mm. then end it out up with like an affirmation just to end up on that positive note because your brain sticks with the positive things you say, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I try to be positive. Uh, but outside of that is just getting out of bed. You know, it's really, really hard, but you have to want to get better and you have to push yourself to get out of bed even when it feels impossible because I know that feeling. I know how that bed can just feel like a sinkhole. And sometimes the depression feels more comforting than getting out of bed mm. because it's so familiar. That's what I've been struggling with recently, but you've got to find it somewhere deep down within you that you want to get better. Yeah. Um, what would you say to someone who is in that low right now and has not um, figured out what helps, figured out maybe the steps like journaling or learning how to process or asking for help? What would you say to them right now? Um, I would say that better days really are coming. It probably feels impossible right now and it feels like it's just so much easier to give up. Um, but there's so many people in this world that really want you here. There's so many people that you make their days without even knowing. And you have to find those few reasons to keep living and those few reasons to keep going and hold on to those and every day work towards those reasons. Is that what you would say to your younger self as well? Yes, I would tell her that it gets better. It really does. Mm, so good. Um, quick question. Did What role did playing a sport have in terms of was it in any way a healthy outlet or did it kind of pile on the pressure? Um, it was a healthy outlet, I would say, but sometimes it was an unhealthy outlet because um, how I performed would take a toll on my mental health yeah. when I got to like college. Um, but definitely just getting out of bed, you know, having those practices you definitely can't miss was awesome because it forced me to get out of bed, forced me to go interact with like all the, my close friends. Um, and then just stress relief. When those hours when I was on the field, I didn't think about any of my mental problems. I was just thinking about softball. So mm. it definitely helped me. I think peop it's helpful when people find whatever their softball is, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's like going to the gym or maybe it's like something that they do on a regular basis. That's something on your schedule um, that is going to get you out of bed and also put you in community and force yeah. you around people. Um, I could see how that would be a beneficial thing. Yeah. Well, you have quite an incredible story. I want to make sure we hit on how community members, people that um, are hearing your story and maybe they're like, gosh, I don't know how to help, but I want to help. I know this is something, a topic that we need to support and address. How can people in our community help and support? Um, so we do have some events coming up that I'm planning, such as like a Stay Another Day suicide prevention walk, things like that. Just getting the word out and seeing all the people in the community um, come together to support one cause is really, really amazing. Um, but just like sharing stuff about Stay Another Day, you know, those three words could be really meaningful to somebody that needs to hear them. Um, on social media, we'll always post like affirmations and post like cute little graphics, I guess, that people can share. Um, but something that could really help get the word out is we've been doing fundraising events and taking donations, like I've said, um, to pass out t-shirts at local school to get that message in front of those kids. And then when I pass them out, you know, it's always a safe place where kids can talk to me about mental health, talk about how they can go about asking for help. Um, so I definitely love passing out t-shirts and interacting with that younger community. Yeah, absolutely. I totally would see why. Um, for maybe like adults in this community and kids alike, really everyone, are there steps that we can be taking every single day in our daily lives, in our own world, that can help support this thought of um, loving people where they're at and not knowing where they're at, but supporting this thought of like encouraging getting help, encouraging mental wellness? Are there steps that people can take to do that? Um, I think just being a mental health advocate as a whole, just, you know, letting people know that you're a safe person to talk to, letting people know that you've struggled too, but you're still showing up, letting people know that it's normal, like it's okay to struggle mentally. I think just showing that, kind of wearing your heart on your sleeve, letting people know that 
Um, struggling with mental health is totally okay. It's normal. Everyone might go through it. A lot of people struggle mentally. And just having that vulnerability that we talked about, I think is very, very important because you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping the people around you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you have um, a wonderful website, a great social media presence. If people want to keep up with you, maybe um, get in touch with how they can support the work that you're doing. Thank you for your willingness to share your story here today and joining us. Thank you for having me.